We're kicking off our series last week. We kicked it off called The Good Initiative. And so if you weren't here, I kind of want to bring you up to speed. It was a pretty significant Sunday. Um, and so here's what we're doing. We're seeking to do good in Central Florida over the next three to five years. And so what we're doing is, is we're kicking off an initiative to say, hey, we want to raise money so that we can do good in our area. And so I've got it all broken down, but we've got two goals out of this initiative. And the first one is, is that we would have 100% engagement. That means praying, seeking, asking the Lord, being generous with your lives and with your finances. So that's the first goal. The second goal is the amount. So we are seeking to raise $30 million over the next 25 months starting in December. Now I want to break that down for you for a second. So that's our current giving, so our current budget, plus expanded generosity. And that breaks down like this. So over the next two years, our budget across all campuses, so we have three campuses. If you're brand new, we have one in Winter Garden, one in Orlando, and one here. So across all three campuses, we have a budget of $9 million each year. That's $18 million total. So we're seeking to raise $12 million on top of that for these things. Next slide. <laughs> so the first one is funding our current mission and ministry. So that's what we're currently doing, right? So that's included the budget. And then number two, it's a big one for us, a building for Oviedo for our campus, which we're super excited about. The next one is the all-new Center for Teaching and Healing. They're going to be renovating that space. They were, so Grace uh, Orlando, the Orlando campus, uh, was actually given the building next to them. It's 10 acres. I think it's 24,000 square feet. And uh, they gave it debt-free. And so that is going to be the new hub for teaching and healing. We're going to be doing counseling uh, all over, and it's, it's going to be amazing. We're going to do weddings and funerals and different things like there as well. So renovating that space and then fully staffing our Grace Winter Garden Campus. They are continuing to grow, and God's doing incredible things there. And then uh, Grace Orlando expansion for uh, kids' space. They're just running out of space. And so those are some of the things, the majority of what we're going to be doing in the next three to five years. And so we're asking that everybody has engagement. Now, if you're new to Grace, like let's say last, I don't know, two, three months, maybe the last six months, and you're showing up and they're like, all right, he's talking a lot about giving. Like I come from a church that talked a lot about giving and like I got church hurt from it. It was a, not a good experience or it was all that they talked about. So I just want to give you some information on that, okay, at Grace. I've been here as the campus pastor for four and a half years. That's roughly... 234 Sundays. Since I've been here, out of those 234 Sundays, five of those have been specifically about generosity. That's 0.02%. So if you're wondering, like, is this all you talk about? No, this is not our rhythm. But we are focusing right now because we believe God's calling us to do good in Central Florida. And so we're seeking to do this as a next step. And we're asking everybody to take a next step at Grace. So that's just a little information for you and some backdrop about Grace. Uh, so today we're continuing in the Good Initiative series. 
and we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you've got those guidebooks, it's, uh, you can take notes on page 40. So you can turn there. If you want to do your Bibles or your phones, you can go there as well. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And so we were in chapter 8 last week, and so I want to recap just a little bit. Paul is writing his third letter to the church of Corinth. And this third letter is written in the aftermath of a conflict. And Paul's saying, hey, I just want you to know, I still love you. We're good. But I want to make sure that not only do you understand the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, and he offers you life, and that that affects you. But we want, to, we want you to not just know it, but we want you to actually live it. We want it to be a part of your life. And so in this, he's coming to them and he's saying, hey, remember when you said you would give money to a church in Jerusalem? I'm coming back and saying, hey, you say you believe the gospel. You say that God has changed your life. Now I'm reminding you to finish this collection. I I would call it Paul's own initiative among the churches. And so that's where we are and that's where we pick up. Chapter 8, verse 1. This passage is really strong. He says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, the churches of Macedonia are Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. They're Romanized colonies. Verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Notice the very beginning. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God, about this unmerited favor, about this generosity on the behalf of who? Of these churches in Macedonia. You know what he's saying? I want you to acknowledge these churches. They have been so transformed by the gospel. They have been so transformed by the grace of God that it has done something in their life. It has done something in their midst as a church. What's that? Let's look at it. For in a severe, that's really strong language for Paul. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. We don't know 100% for sure, but everything leads to their being persecuted for their faith. And so they are dealing with a severe affliction. They are ostracized, potentially losing business because of their being followers of Jesus. And so they're being persecuted for their faith. And he says in a severe way. But they have this abundance of joy despite their circumstances, despite their being ostracized, despite that they're losing their businesses, despite that all this craziness is happening in their life. What do they have? Abundance of joy. And the word there is super abundance, this super abundance of joy and this extreme poverty. This is going to be really important in just a minute. You know what extreme poverty, almost the root word of it means? Beggar. Somebody who begs. I mean, I just was with my daughters riding down the road, and I don't even put this in the same category, but when you think of beggar, maybe you think this way. This guy had a sign up, and he said, we'll work for weed. He was begging, okay? I don't really consider that a beggar. 
This is somebody who's truly impoverished. They, they don't have anything, it feels like. Extreme poverty, literally begging. And they've overflowed. Look at this. They have this affliction, but yet this joy, this begging sense of poverty. And they're overflowing in a wealth of generosity on their part. They're doing everything that they can with what God has given them. It's incredible. It's crazy. It's fascinating to me that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth is known, as far as I know, out of all the churches in the New Testament, the most like the American church today. They were very impressed with shiny things. They liked money. They liked status. They liked all the fun stuff. And that was their focus a lot of the time. And so Paul is coming to say, hey, Church of Corinth, like consider these churches. You have so much more resources than they do. And look at how they're responding based off the grace of God in their life. They're beggars, but yet they're here and they're showing up in this overflow in wealth of generosity. It makes me think, one of the closest examples in the United States anyway, I could tell you some overseas stories. But one of the closest ones, this, um, this couple, the husband was a manager at Chick-fil-A. And if I've ever met anybody, they were prayer warriors. Prayed for people all the time. They were the people I was like, hey, I have a prayer request. And you know that they are going to be on their knees praying for you, praying for the situation. They were just those people. And so he worked. She, um, I think she stayed home and was raising kids. And they didn't have a lot. But they were the most generous people it felt like I had met in that moment in my life. Somebody came into our community and they said, we don't have a car. And I lost my job and we're really struggling. They had two cars. They gave them their one car. And I was expecting, okay, so they're going to come back around. They're going to replace that car because it was maybe an older car. No, no, no. They gave their car. They didn't have the funds to get another car. And they made it work on one car. Because they wanted to be generous. Because they had a need. It was incredible. It was just this moment where I was sitting there. I mean, I was in college at the time. And I was looking at them and I was like, how are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And I'm I'm literally looking at other people and I'm going, they could have bought three cars. Like, they could have bought a car for them today. You know what I mean? And they're over here. They don't have a lot. And they're like, man, we're going to sacrifice our car so that they can have a car. It was incredible. That's the picture that I feel here. As a matter of fact, they they say that the most generous churches are sometimes the poorest churches. We we actually know that historically in Africa, which is just wild. So he's pointing to these churches that realize the money that they have, the resources they have, it's all been given from God. It's not their own. They're just managers of it. It's all God's. And they're here to... Man, say, what do I need to do? What, what, what do I need to do? Verse 3, speaking of these churches in Macedonia. For they gave according to their means, okay, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. That's significant. This isn't a guilt trip. This isn't a huge plea, ruhaha. Come on, do something, baby, let's go. That's not the picture of their own accord. 
The generosity of God so spurred in them something that they wanted to do good, right? And for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Look at that word, begging. Are they begging for food? Are they begging for resources? What are they doing? Begging us, begging Paul, begging the people who are doing this ministry earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So they are beggars who are begging to give, to be generous, to offer up what they have. It's amazing. He's saying, Church of Corinth, do you see? Do you see this example? They are an example. Will you likewise be an example? Will you likewise follow Christ? Not in a, I'm holding it over you as an authority. No, no, no. Consider them. Consider them. Look at this example. At Grace, we have a house rule. We have house rules at Grace that reflect our culture. And the, the, the house rule is big-hearted generosity. We prioritize giving to God's work over protecting ourselves. That's the churches in Macedonia. That's the picture. They are engaged all in for the mission. They are fully in. I, so I, I, just, I, I want you to think about this. The Macedonian churches, they had very little. They had constant pressure, and they gave above their means. A significant. Paul is saying to Corinth, think about this. Just, just put, your, put yourself in the churches of Macedonia. Extreme poverty, persecution, right? Severe treatment. And what's the picture? They were like, God, what do you want me to do? How can I give? How can I be a part of change? How can I be a part of all of this? It's incredible. As a matter of fact, if you, if you put yourself in their shoes, what are they doing? They're actually leaving behind their desires and their wants. Surely they have them right? Extreme poverty, beggars. They, they say, I'm going to put aside my desires and my wants, and I'm going to give beyond my means. It's crazy. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, he's just continuing the conversation, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. It's the principle of first. That's the picture. Many of you, maybe, I love this, it says that they gave themselves first to the Lord. When I hear themselves within the context of giving and generosity, you know what he's saying? He's saying they considered all of their life the Lord's. I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my job. I'm going to give you my kids. I'm going to give you sports. I'm going to give you my status. I'm going to give you my reputation. I'm going to give you my money. I'm going to give you my retirement. I'm going to give it. It's all yours. I give myself first to the Lord. You're first. And based off of you, everything else flows. So let me just, let's tap into the context for a second when we talk about giving, when we talk about finances. How many of you think in percentages when really you should be thinking, am I giving in a way that says God is first in my life? 
Am I honoring God with my finances in my life? Is he first? Is he the primary, the significant? It says that he, they gave themselves first to the Lord. I love that. I, I, I remember talking to somebody. This is recent. They were telling me their story. And the guy said, him and his wife were sitting there, and he goes, a while ago, I lost my job. And he had a significant job and just lost it. And they were looking and looking. And he said, during that time, I continued to give. I continued to say, God, I'm going to put you first. And so anything that they gained, anything that was given to them, they gave. And they were generous in the process. And that was the picture. He was just saying, God, it's all yours. I've got to trust you with my future. I'm going to continue to give. I'm going to continue to be generous, even though I don't know what's ahead. That was the picture. What I see is a church and a people who trust God and who trust God with their future, who don't try to control their future, but instead say, I don't know what the next 10 steps are, but I know right now you're first in everything, in everything that I have and everything that I am. Verse 6, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he would complete among you this act of grace. What is he talking about? He's saying that 1 Corinthians chapter 16, y'all initiated this idea of, hey, we're going to give to the church of Jerusalem. We're going to help them out. We're going to send money. And we started to raise that money, a collection, an initiative. And then what is he saying? He's saying, hey, I want you to complete that collection. I want you to Follow through on your promise. I want you to follow through on what you were thinking about doing for this church. And what does he call it? This act of grace. This act of generosity. This thing that represents a generous God. I want you to do it. I want you to finish it. Watch this, verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He's saying, hey, you're excelling in all of these things. You received my last letter well. You've repented. Now, what does he say? You, you've excelled in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, in our love for you. See that you, what? You excel in the act of generosity, the act of grace also. I want to ask you a question. He puts, well, first I want to make a statement. He puts generosity on the same level as all the others. You see that? So my question is, which one of these do you tend to elevate more than the other? And then lower and raise up the other. Think about that. I mean, these are some big ones, right? Faith. The way you use speech, growing in knowledge. Some of you, man, you get after it. I want to read, read, read. Theology, theology, biblical history. Let's go, baby. Right? Earnestness. Oh, yeah, I'm earnest. I'm earnest about sharing my faith. All right, well, let's talk about giving. All right, well, we'll see you in a couple of months, bro. Right? You ever ever feel like that? You elevate one over the other, and he's saying, hey, listen, you need to excel in this area as well. Uh, so this is, I think it's okay for me to share this point. So my first 
month at Grace, four and a half years ago, okay? I think it was my second week here. I got him preaching. This guy comes up to me. He goes, hey, can we talk? And I was like, yeah, what's up, man? And he goes, listen, y'all are going to think this is crazy, okay? He goes, listen, I give a lot to the church. And I was like, okay, right? Like, all right. So it's just going to start out like this, okay? All right. So he's like, I give a lot to the church. And I was like, all right, well, why is he telling me this, you know? And he goes, and I don't ever serve. And I don't, I don't plan on changing that. And what he was essentially saying is, my giving encompasses all. Of that. I give so much, I don't need to serve you. I don't need to, not me, but the church, the people of God, Christ. I, I've given well enough and I continue to give enough. And I literally thought, dude, when you hear me preach over this next two months, like you're going to leave. And he did. He actually did. He left. I talked about how we need to be 100% engaged in all areas of our life. And he gave a lot of money, and he didn't last but a month and a half. Let's flip it. How many of you say, in your own heart and mind, you don't come up to me on a Sunday and say this, I serve a lot. I give a lot of my time. I use a lot of my talents. I don't need to give. That is my giving. It's the same thing. It's just in the opposite way. Paul is coming and he's saying, you're excelling in all of these things. Now excel in generosity. Excel in giving. Show up in this area of your life too. That's the picture. What are you trying to elevate more than the other? And so as we, as we think about money, you know, there's three categories. I heard this a while ago and I, it, was, it was helpful for me to even place my own self, like when I process giving and money in my life, there's, there's three categories, okay? God, gross, or gift. For some of you in the room, when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, when it comes to your stuff, it is your God. And listen, it doesn't always look the same. Some of you are thinking like there's one category for this. It's the person who buys all the stuff, has all the things. It's not just that person that it's their God. It can be the person who is totally engrossed with stuff, purchases and spends all the time. That's possible, and that could be your God. could also be that you're a saver. No one knows it, and you're just clinging to it because it's your God, because it brings you stability and security and hope and life, and you're just hanging on, plugging away, getting it in there. Let's go. Come on. Who, who doesn't save 60% of their income, right? Right? Then there's the third, the we're barely making it. Money is our God. We're, we're so tight. We can't help but think about it all the time, wondering if it's gonna, the next paycheck's going to show up or if we're going to lose our job. And if, if my wife loses her job, we're done. Like we're sunk. We're going to sell the house. We're going to change places. Like we're going to have to do it all. It's all of a sudden taking the place of God in your life. So that's, that's one category. Second category is gross. What does that mean? Somebody actually who saw the slides before and she goes, did you like, did you have a mistype? Did you mean to put gross like up there? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he, here's the person, okay? Maybe you're this person. You see other people spend in extravagant ways and you judge them. 
and you think people who spend money are gross and that the whole mindset of money and corporate world is just gross and you're like, if you're godly, you wouldn't have these nice things and, and all of this is terrible and you just judge people. And, and here's the significant like curse of it. Oftentimes those people are the people who are just saving, clinging, hoping, and putting all of their trust in their money. They just don't spend it like other people do. But it's gross to them. And then it's a gift. It's like my, the family who was a Chick-fil-A manager. And they, it's a gift in their life. And they're super generous. Because they know what God has done in their lives. They know what God is doing in their lives. And they know it's not their stuff. They know it's not their own resource. It's a resource and a tool for God and for his people and for blessing others. That's the picture. I mean, I, I think of... <clears throat> I got, I got two stories. First one is, there was, a, there was a guy at our campus. He said, hey, can we grab lunch? This is years and years ago. And he came in, he just opened up and laid it all on the table. And he goes, my life is a wreck. I'm super broken. I do all of these things and they're bad. And I struggle here. And he's just <laughs> unloading. I mean, first meal, didn't even know the guy, just laying it all out. And so we were walking through a bunch of that. And then at the end, he goes, I, I will, he's like a positive side. And he was kind of like getting out of the darkness. And he goes, positive side, God's really blessed me and with finances. And he said, I just want you to hear this. And I'm not saying it to like buddy up with you. He said, I just want you to hear this. Like, I want to be generous and I want to use what God has given me in these next years. And so be praying for my business, be praying for me, be praying for all this. But I want to be a resource for the grace of God. And I was like, praise the Lord. And this guy 100% has. He's dialed in. He's like, man, I'm, I want to do this. And he's growing in the other areas. He's trying to excel in all the areas of his life. Another one, it's, it's kind of interesting. We're talking about cars, but I had a, a small group at my former church. We had a need in our group. Somebody lost their job, same scenario, didn't have a car. Our small group raised enough money together. There was like eight couples, and we got them a brand new car. It wasn't super fancy, but it got them from point A to point B, no problems, warranty, all the things. It was a gift in their eyes. Like in, in, in our small group, they're like, man, God has given me so much. I want to go and give so that others can be blessed. That's the picture. Is it a God? Is it gross? Or is it a gift? And so I, as you're thinking about examples and you're thinking about your own life, I want you to consider, we're going to watch a video in just a second. And it's somebody's own story and wrestling with giving. And so if you turn your attention to the screens, you can watch. John and I have been married for four years. We were set up by a group of friends who passed my number along to him. Little did I know that he didn't live in Florida, that he actually lived in India. So we just started chatting, didn't think it was gonna go anywhere, just become friends, but here we are. I'm Rachel J. Subakthan, and this is my husband, John. I am the Grace Kids Director at Grace for almost 12 years. In Grace Kids, we like to have a fun and engaging environment, but most importantly, learning the gospel on their level. 
the volunteers say that they really get to build relationships with the kids and get to know them. And they really are like leaders in their lives that are helping them to know Jesus. Lately, we've had a lot of new families come to Grace. After the service, you know, it just feels like home to me. It's India. You know, a lot of people all over, you know, noisy and chaotic, um, and it's home to be here. Grace for us is really family. Um, both of us don't have family here in Orlando. Uh, my family lives in Atlanta and John's family lives in India and we celebrate like milestones together, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. Um, and this is really, these are our people. When we first heard about the Good Initiative, we had just found out that our lease was being terminated by our landlord, that he was gonna renew our lease, that we would have to buy a house, and we had one month to do it. We just found out that like the best option for us to grow our family is adoption, and that we, because of our age, we need to do two adoptions at one time, so that was like double the expense and then to hear about the good initiative and um, being more generous uh, it was kind of like oh this is not the year that I wanted to hear about being more generous but for us I kind of feel like it's the perfect timing because I like a big common theme for us has been trusting God and just knowing that he is good and that good is ahead no matter what John is really good at trusting God and reminding me to trust God. I, on the other hand, always try to plan and think that I'm in control and I have to do everything or I have to get a second job or I have to do this, do that. And John is always like, this isn't ours. You just trust God and follow him. I think it comes from looking at my parents' uh, life in India. Um, you know, my, my dad and mom are pastors in uh, South India and it's, you know, we never had much, but we've always had enough. And I've learned that, you know, for us to be healthy, um, spiritually trusting God uh, is really, really significant. And I think that's what we are called to do. Um, and I think, you know, we have to try our best, try our best. Um, to keep trusting God. We talk about it all the time in our house that, you know, nothing belongs to us. You know, if, whether it's a salary, a family, you know, I know I don't belong to myself, you know. Uh, I'm from God and, you know, I'm His, you are His. Um, so we are definitely excited uh, for the Good Initiative and, um, you know, what's, what it's going to bring to Grace. We've both talked about that we want to take some time and we want to go through the good initiative devotional together and just talk about like what is god calling us to what is the next step i don't think there's two more uh deserving people who will be parents down the road i know that you will cry every day and love them and love these children and i'm so excited john you're gonna be an amazing father we're so excited to be here for you guys. We really care about the church. We believe it's a good investment. We see life change happen at Grace 
almost on a daily basis. You know, as a staff member, I hear stories every day of people's lives being changed. Uh, I get to see some of the benevolent side of people that have been directly impacted by the generosity of grace. Um, I see what investing in grace does in the life of our kids. And so I want to be a part of something that's so big that God had to have done it. And that's kind of what I feel like with this $30 million, you know, that he's going to use this uh, and do something so big that none of us even imagined. Uh, and not a, it'll impact grace and it'll impact our people, but, you know, it's going to impact Central Florida. And so when we think about grace and our time and our resources, uh, we're, we're all in. And so it, this is something worth giving our lives for. So I'm gonna give you a practical just next step. So we, uh, we talk about commitment here, and we actually, in your guidebooks, there's a commitment card. I just wanna talk about it for a second. So this is a good initiative commitment card. And what it is, it's broken down all the things that we're gonna be doing over the next three to five years. And it breaks down you know, what we're giving to, um, 100% engagement, those two goals. And then it gives you a spot to where you can process and start to think and pray through God, what do you want us to give over the next 25 months? And so there's space for you to do that. And so our first, our commitment weekend is going to be in November. But next Sunday night, 23rd, we're going to have an advanced commitment night. It's going to be at the new teaching, uh, the new Center for Teaching and Healing location. We're going to have a full-on amazing worship night, and we're going to ask people. Our leaders are going to be there. Volunteers are going to be there, and we're going to ask people to be one of the first to say, hey, here's what I'm committed to over the next 25 months. And so if God is speaking to you and he's, he's working that in you, then we're asking that you would do that that night. Either way, even if you don't make a commitment that night, we'd love for you to be there. You're invited, and it's going to be an awesome time together. We're going to have a lot of stories and testimonies and just God's grace in our lives, and so it's going to be an incredible night. You can sign up online. You'll hear more about that, uh, but that's an easy next step for you, just showing up. And so, God, I'm, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a generous God. I pray that we would consider the churches of Macedonia from our past. God, that it would challenge us and shape us, that it would shape our idea, idea, ideas of generosity and grace and how the gospel infiltrates all of our lives. And so God, we need you in this. We need you to work in our hearts. It says in the text, God, that they did it of their own accord before the Lord. And so God, would you do a mighty work in us pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.